Welcome to episode 28 of People Behind the Business, a show for small businesses with small teams and huge ambitions. I'm your host, Rosemary Richings. I took a very, very long break uh, before I dived into the season, and there's a reason for that. I was ready to try something a little bit different. So this episode is the beginning of that experiment. And this season, I am experimenting with focusing more on my own stories of running my business and a few things you can learn about that. And many of them are things that are questions you might have at this point. So the first one in this season is a conversation about co-working. And I'm going to share some of my experiences with that, how I got started with it, uh, what some of the pros and cons are, and how you can work around the not-so-great parts to make it more enjoyable. It was the summer of 2018, and I had been in business for four years. But there was just one problem. Despite the fact at this point, I had plenty of client experiences under my belt. And that was the fact that it was starting to get a bit isolating and was starting to affect my focus. And then I decided to take a look at a co-working space I had sometimes used the cafe area of to try and solve that problem. I did a tour one Friday afternoon, and I really liked what I saw. So I went a step further, and I decided to do their what they call their innovator for a day thing it might vary from co-working space to co-working space but it is essentially a free day to try out what being a member is really like and i went there i had a whole work day at that space i had my questions answered i met a lot of really interesting people and i loved it I absolutely loved it. So I went ahead and I applied to do the whole co-working thing. Now, it's not what you immediately assume. It's not as simple as you pay the money and you sign your leasing agreements. With this one especially, uh, you have to go through a grant-like process where you introduce them to the work you're doing professionally and basically try to make an argument as to why what you're doing is actively working towards changing the world. And about a few days later, I got a response saying that my application had been accepted. So I started to look around at a few different options and decided that the few times a week option was the best for me, both in terms of price and in terms of what I'm comfortable with. And then it kind of just went from there. At first, 
it was a huge adjustment period. It was like working in an office again. But after a while, after I started to go against my introvert comfort zone and show up at social events and really make an effort to talk to people, I started to make friends and people liked me and there were even a few client leads from that specific experience. So really why I wanted to do this episode was because I realized um, urban freelancers especially are likely considering this as an option, this whole co-working thing. And so I am just going to, based on my own experiences, just give a little breakdown of what has been fantastic and what has been not so fantastic. All right, so we'll start with the fantastic parts. So, of course, as I mentioned before, the big thing that is really amazing is the community aspect. Especially if you do really quiet work like writing or something creative and you aren't really used to having a lot of direct interaction and all the little things that you would get in a quote-unquote regular 9 to 5 of the water cooler chat and things like that and social events, then this basically co-working, it works a bit like how you would expect an office. It takes the best parts of the uh, an office, which is the social bits, and it um, gets rid of the one bit that you don't get as someone who's there as an independent organization, which is just the sort of someone else being your boss, of course. And you have access to a lot of tea and coffee. There's a nice kitchen where you can talk to people. And really, there's always lots of planned social events. Um, a lot, uh, there are people there who their whole job is just basically to plan out the events and get the right grants and things like that. And um, so... It really, what you get out of it really just depends on how involved you make yourself. It's basically like anything else. It's one of those experiences where you get what you put into it. And as I was saying earlier, I got a great deal out of it, including clients and people who continue to express interest in my work and uh, be interesting conversationalists and etc. Because I made an effort. My entire first month there, I would show up to all the social events. I would talk to people. I would tell them what I do. I would express interest in what they do. I would make an effort to say hello to people in the, the kitchen. And that really resonated with people. So I kept that going. But I, I also had to embrace the more introverted side of me because I admit at times that was a bit exhausting and I at times just wanted to not talk to people and you know the good thing is that 
at the end of the day, it is a workspace. You're paying for a workspace that is an alternative to home or being on the road or however you usually do the whole work from home thing. And so if you're an introvert and you find that bit intimidating, that whole being around a lot of people while working, you don't like that. That's why you got out of the office grind. The good thing at least is that because everyone's there to work, they a lot of people there really genuinely love what they do and it's the center of their lives. Um, when you really need to not talk to people, there's a little secret that I have learned is the universal co-working space symbol of leave me alone right now, I am busy, and we will talk later, maybe. And that is headphones. If you want to do co-working, investing in a good pair of headphones is absolutely essential. Because, of course, especially when you're doing quiet stuff like writing or like budgets or things like that, you're, you're going to want to shut yourself off from everyone around you and focus. And people are generally very respectful of that. And that is why getting a good pair of headphones, if you intend to try co-working, is so essential. And at the same time, one of the not-so-great parts of it is the fact that people are there to work on all sorts of things. So that means that inevitably, you never ne unless you get one of the more expensive closed-off office spaces, you never know what the person you're going to sit beside is going to be doing. It might be a phone call. It might be something quiet. And just from talking to people, I've realized how annoyed they can be when someone is obnoxiously and loudly talking on the phone in a co-working space. And there's something there called phone booths that a lot of these spaces have in place for professional calls and media appearances and things like that. But the thing is, there's never any guarantee that it won't be full. So another reason why headphones are such an essential investment is just so that you can close yourself off from people from time to time. So... Um, I am going to sum this up, basically, by sharing basically what I've learned about, like, deciding what co-working space is the great fit for you. Okay, so the big hesitation a lot of people have about co-working spaces is the fact that you are paying a monthly rent towards it, because I totally get it. When we, all of us, when we first start out, our budgets aren't very large. Some of us live in large urban environments and et cetera and still have to pay rent in other places. But there is one way that a lot of people aren't aware of that is a way to work around the money bit. So a lot of co-working spaces offer 
a work exchange program. So basically, you do something for the co-working space in a volunteer capacity, and in return, you get a certain amount of free space per month. So if you love the idea of co-working, but you're not sure if you can afford it, that is a great way to work around it. And I highly recommend talking to people at those spaces and see if there's some way you can use some of the skills you have to save a bit of money and get that free space. And then there's the matter of being like, well, what if this isn't a good fit for me? What if I sign a leasing agreement and find that this is a terrible fit for me? Well, the one way really you can work around that is really take your time with the decision-making process. The only reason I made up my mind so quickly on a co-working space is because I knew some people who were directly involved with it, and I'd been going to their public cafe space for years, so I had a sense of what they were like and if their value system vibed with mine. And the one way you can find out, even if you're in a similar situation to me, um, is by start by doing your research. Go online, start to read what they say their whole value system is about. And consider talking to members. See what they think of it, what their experience has been like. And then go to the actual space, say you're considering maybe going to this specific co-working space, and ask to do a tour. Often that's a big part of people's work there, and they do them really regularly. And get that tour. Make sure before you decide on something, you get to walk around and get a sense of what the environment of it is like. And come prepared on that tour with lots of questions. Do your research and see what you're missing out on. and Or not missing out on, I guess it really just depends. And then do the tour and really take some time to think it over. And ask them if they do any kind of like free trial days to kind of get a sense of what it's like, and look around. I mean, there's lots of different types of co-working spaces at this point, at lots of different budget levels and values, and different organizations there. So even just getting a sense of what kinds of organizations there can give you a sense of if it's worth your time. For me, the big selling point was a lot of the organizations at my co-working space have values that are very similar to mine and somewhat resemble what I have considered to be the ideal client for a long time. So when I looked them up, I went, this is great. I can get to know people that basically have the same 
values and concerns as the customers I want to reach. So that is another important point to um, look up what organizations are based there. And that will tell you a lot about what you're dealing with. And I hope you found my whole take on co-working spaces helpful. And if you get nothing else out of this episode, I hope that you really consider like taking your time on this decision-making process. I would argue that it is as much of an important decision as investing in something big and long-term like a car or a house or whatever it may be. And really, really take your time on deciding which one's right for you. Co-working isn't the right fit for everyone, and I totally realize that. So, in the end, you might even realize that it's not the right fit for you, and perhaps something else, like going to a library or being part of a specific group, because marketing is not a one-size-fits-all process. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard and you would like to keep up to date on future episodes, hit the subscribe button on your podcast listening device. And I also have an active newsletter for podcast updates and etc. And the link for that is available in the show notes if you'd like to opt into that. And of course, tell all your friends and I'll see you soon on future episodes.